You're listening to the Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle Dolan as she interviews a range of prominent leaders about their experiences. Her guests share stories about challenges they have faced during their career, as well as important learning opportunities or moments of insight. We hope you enjoy this conversation and are encouraged to embrace authenticity and real communication. Welcome to this edition of Authentic Leadership, and I'm really, really looking forward to this chat with Tim Watsford, who is the CEO of the Northern Territory Major Events Company. So looking forward to especially hearing how Tim has coped with the last couple of years, but um, his amazing story of where he started and where he is now. So welcome, Tim. Thank you for having me. Good yes. To a, good to have a discussion. Pleasure, pleasure. Now, you've just come back from leave. You, uh, Yeah, you were hoping to get to Brisbane but couldn't. I, I was. I'm, uh, I am in the Northern Territory, so lucky enough to live somewhat of a COVID-free life at the moment. So travel is, is something that um, we have the benefit of. However, yeah, unfortunately, a couple of cases that popped up in Brisbane recently um, got me and I, and I transferred to South Australia instead. So uh, just fresh back from a couple of days in, uh, in the great town of Adelaide. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll get stuck into it with a few quick questions that I like to ask everyone. And that is, where did you actually grow up? I grew up in Manly, Sydney, Australia, and loved every minute. I'm a, I'm a beach boy by trade um, and, and, and a surfer, avid surfer. Um, so I, I had a really, really great upbringing in, um, in the northern beaches of Sydney there. And yet you've moved to Darwin. So <laughs> I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's a story behind that. Not much surf going on in Darwin. No, there isn't. If you like crocodiles, uh, box jellyfish, uh, plenty of sharks, sea snakes, anything that can possibly take a leg off in the water up here, definitely go for a swim. Um, don't recommend it though. So uh, looking from a personal perspective, absolutely. Um, I love getting in the salt water and, and I miss it terribly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the draw of the Northern Territory to, from a career challenge perspective was, was too good to pass up. Mm, okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that a lot more later. But what was your first job? So you've got a very interesting job now. And, and prior to this job, you were the um, general manager of major events at National Rugby Leagues. But what was your first job you ever had? Yeah, good question. I've, I've had a really privileged career, um, to, to say the least. I... I guess through school, avid avid sportsman from a variety of disciplines. I guess um, swimming, rugby league, um, soccer union, the works, um, and and had a real desire to try and enter sports administration um, from a career perspective. I could never make it professionally, so that's the better the, the other best. The next best option is to, you know, work in the front of office. So they say. Um, so so my first role came about at the Sydney Cricket and Sports Ground Trust. So learning the ropes in everything around how a major venue operates, um, how sport operates, uh, and looking at, um, and I guess, the customer experience first and foremost. So I was, uh, I was there for a good, a good couple of years um, in, the, in the kind of venue operational area, um, very junior role, obviously first one out of university. So, um, but look, enjoyed every minute and, and still have some of the fondest memories of, of my career to date, um, stemming from, you know, my first day walking through the doors in, uh, at the Sydney Cricket Sports Ground Trust in Paddington there. Mm, excellent. Well, it's, um, so, so you sort of knew pretty early on that you wanted to be involved in, I guess, sports administration at some point. 
Yeah, I did. I was, uh, I think coming through, I think, I think coming through, like I said, I never made it professionally, but, um, but did compete um, through school, just loved it. Um, was lucky enough to kind of get a scholarship through to uni at, um, which was a sports university in Homebush there uh, in, in Sydney around um, sports administration. And then from that, literally knew that that was my calling. So from there, uh, sport made up the majority of my career to date, basically until coming towards to the Northern Territory. So following, I guess, following learning the ropes in, in the venue administration game um, from a major event perspective, was lucky enough to, you know, do some time over at Australian Rugby Union um, for the better part of eight years, um, which was which was amazing, culminating in the British and Irish Lawrence tour of, of 2013, which was absolutely phenomenal. And, and the supporter base that went with that, with that tour of Australia, um, was a really, really, really special time. And uh, we put it up there as one of my favorite career highlights. Um, and then to your point, uh, went across to, I guess, a code hopping uh, to NRL and, and, you know, did some amazing things at the NRL with, with a great leadership team, um, you know, followed by the journey that's brought me up here to the Northern Territory. Yeah, so let, let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, you, you've gone from, I guess, sports administration into Northern Territory major events, which I'm sure there's a few sporting events there, but moving from the surf at Manly to, to Darwin. So tell, tell us why you, um, how did that come about and why did you decide to do it and was it an easy decision for you to make to just tell, spend us a bit of time talking us through that? Yeah, really, really good, <clears throat> really good question. And it was a really, it was a really, um, it was a personal journey, I'm going to say, um, from the time that the, the role here in the Territory was was first floated to, to me landing in, in Darwin. Um, I I guess I, what I'll say is I learned to specialise in an area of um, commercialisation of major events through states and territories, and, and that some people don't probably appreciate um, what events do or bring to a state or territory. And, a, and a, an example is, <clears throat> for those that are rugby league, um, fans, uh, one of the projects that um, I worked on while there was moving the state of origin fixtures outside of New South Wales and Queensland, which was their traditional homes, and, and effectively working with state governments, including WA, South Australia and Melbourne to take the origin to there. And, and with that, um, there's obviously a great commercial return for the state organising body, which is, which is well publicised. Um, and in return, um, state governments receive an influx of visitors. So events are, are a catalyst for conversion. So I learned that when I was at the AAU that it was effectively, a, I guess, a part of the market within the sports realm um, that was probably underutilized. Not, there, was no real, there was no real specialized in it. It was, you know, it was ministers or, or, or people that knew people that kind of, you know, cherry picked events to take where. So when I was at the NRL and, and we, we really did a strategic piece of work around what, what do events mean to states and territories? <clears throat> I got to, I got to an appreciation to say, hey, there's a, there's a, there's a probably a really good career progression here, um, and a really interesting one. And had the privilege, like I said, of working right across Australia and doing some special things with <clears throat> rugby league in different core fan bases and, and states and territories. So after after three close to four years at, at the NRL of, of doing that and, and loving every minute. I, I, I love rugby league both as a fan, but also working within the walls of, of what we achieved at the NRL was um, was uh, approached subtly to come up and, and look at how do we develop and capitalise on major events in the territory. So not only sport, go broad, everything from, you know, arts and culture, light festivals, um, sport itself. How do we 
how do we as a Northern Territory government um, bring people to the Territory for the core purpose of coming to the event, but also spending a bit of time in and around um, in and around the Territory and, you know, spending some time in Kakadu and the core, I guess the core KPI of my role is to, you know, put people in hotel rooms and, and fill restaurants up and bars and, you know, tourist attractions and and really try to hone in on on that visitor market that's highly competitive right across Australia at the moment. So this was all obviously pre-COVID. Pre um, it took a little bit of convincing. There was, there was a good part of, I'm going to say six months, I think, from when the idea was first floated to chatting it through with, with my family over a Christmas break um, before, you know, finally agreeing and landing here in, in March 2018. And, and to be quite frank, haven't, haven't looked back. It was, it was, Obviously, that from a career progression, learning this side of government, um, the unique nature of the company that I lead is is a company by every word. So we've got an independent board, um, a very commercial board. However, our one shareholder is government. So mm -hmm. I'm effectively an arm of government, but able to operate like a company, not not a not a government department. So it's quite it's quite unique. Oh, so so you're a useful arm. I'm a useful arm. <laughs> I am a, well, try to be anyway. I'm, I, that's what I tell people. Um, so, so that was really attractive, but so, so, the, so what I wanted to do is I've effectively had a good chunk of time working <clears throat> in the sports area. Let's see what the other side of the fence looks like and, and see how, how government, how bureaucracy, how can we capitalize? How can I prove myself? Um, as you said, Darwin's a long way from the Northern beaches in Sydney. So mm. <clears throat> how can, what's a, what's a truly, what's a true test of myself, um, in, in a in a career form um, and and how do we have some time away from Sydney as a family to to enjoy you know each other's company and, and do something new and and this this was too good to refuse in the end and, and yeah. next thing you know I'm I'm four years in and, and loving every minute and so I mean it must have been a big it's a big decision for the whole family for your wife and you've got a young daughter how I'd imagine you know like just moving away from your friends and family support how was that perhaps the biggest, you know, challenge of not going? Yeah, I, I, I will say that. Yeah, I will. Is that the, the challenge in particular, well, from a work, from a career perspective, it was obviously learning government and testing myself in an environment of, I'm going to say, no friends or, or no contacts. Obviously, my, um, my black book, so to speak, is, is, is throughout the Eastern Seaboard in particular. So coming here to start in a new realm and really challenge myself was, was challenge A. But yeah, challenge B and, and probably one we weren't prepared for was was the family side of it. So um, look, I'll be honest, my wife didn't find it easy getting work straight away. So the first couple of years were were challenging. We're four and a half hours flight, I'm saying, from anywhere within Australia. It's closer to get to Bali, as, as people probably know, than than it is to get home to Sydney. Um, my wife's from from Adelaide. So look, that that was incredibly challenging. And and we went through we went through a time that was this the right decision? For, and I'm, I'm going to say a good, you know, 18 months um, into the role here was was it the right one? I was getting, I was getting very fulfilled from a work and career perspective, but it's also hard to balance out. Um, obviously, the personal life is is what we hear, you know, um, <clears throat> work to live, not not live to work, uh, is is kind of that old saying, and and that's kind of what what we're doing. So, look, the first couple of years were were challenging. We saw a lot, you know, we we, we tested ourselves in an area, so there was a lot of fun. There was a lot of travel back and forth from from Sydney and Adelaide in particular for, for my wife and, and my little daughter. But um, look, halfway mark, two years in, um, we really started to click. Uh, it's, it's, 
it's a pretty unrelenting spot, the Northern Territory, but but once you hit your niche and you find your groove and you make friends, uh, there's nothing like it, I'm, I'm going to say. So so where we were, you know, a couple of years ago to where we are now is polar opposites. We got a great network, um, a really, really supportive career network and 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 they become your friends and they become and they become we're, we're, a, we're a glorified regional town so everything from um our, our kids go to all of the same school and 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 um i've got a couple of board members that i call close friends and it's um it's quite the surreal to be accepted to be to be honest and and um we're, we're enjoying every minute of both work on and off the field if i put it back into a sports context so um look it's an amazing place and and it's and it's one that wherever we end up down the journey we're going to look back and go wow that was that was one of the best decisions we made as a family oh, excellent well done um i want to what's some of the biggest either a some of or the biggest challenge you've um faced in your career um i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna say moving i'm gonna i'm gonna say moving and and it was obviously a targeted approach to to coming here like i said before to really test myself in an environment from a stakeholder engagement perspective is what i wanted to get out of it um like i said we were in bubbles probably the wrong word to use but the sports administration bubble in sydney is is is, is just that a lot of people move from within clubs or sports and and, and move around so to really eject and, and come to the territory and test myself in, a, in an unforgiving environment was was an incredible challenge. Um, I have a I have a mentor and close friend that runs the Department of Tourism up here in, in Andrew Hopper, who who was the one that kind of said this could be a role that that might suit you, mate, to, to come up as where the conversation started. So I, I did have support in that context when I landed. However, garnering the the, the support of anyone from general public, stakeholders, government um, was always going to be a challenge. Um, so, so that that was hard um, and, 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 it, and it still is hard. It, it's, it's an environment that yet you have to you have to succeed. We're in, a, we're in the tourism industry and we're in the events industry in particular now, um, you have to deliver results to, to, mm. to continue to succeed. So I'll say moving into, into Darwin was, was one of the biggest challenges. Um, I, I guess in a, in a previous life and, and back to that, that bubble or network, um, it's always Sydney's, Sydney's a challenging environment from a sports perspective. So there were daily challenges, I'm not going to say all the ones to list because um, they're quite they're quite minute, but engagement and 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 dealing with a variety of different stakeholders is is, is incredibly hard in the sports realm. NRL is is an incredibly popular sport, um, in particular in New South Wales. Um, and we love it. And 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 the fans are tribal and 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 the role at the NRL was effectively to serve the fans and members or the custodians of the game. And and to continue to deliver um, is is quite unrelenting. It's a it's a it's a hard job, um, mm. but in saying that, it's very rewarding. So everything that we got out of the NRL and here in the territory, to see a fan smile leaving an NRL game, or or to get feedback from someone leaving, you know, the supercars here in Darwin, saying that was one of the most amazing experiences. Everything from that to then watching, you know. A, Something as simple as a as a six or seven year old get an autograph from a supercars driver. Mm. It's um it's it's all pretty special. So I'm privileged to leave a career I have. Um, but with that, yeah, there are some significant challenges that people probably don't appreciate day in day out. Yeah, I want to um I want to take you back to well probably March last year when uh, you know this thing called COVID was we were hearing about. It. Yeah. When, when did was there a 
oh shit moment you had when you got this is like because the events and tourism industry was probably the the hard has been the hardest hit but probably the first to hit did you have an oh shit moment where you just realized that this was this is going to be bad yeah absolutely i think anyone that was sitting in a chair like mine or an event manager full stop uh working your sporting code or 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 any form of venue i thought would have been uh, I, I'm quite specific around the time when that oh shit moment hit us. I was in Melbourne, uh, ready to attend the Australian Grand Prix. And I remember sitting at the Novotel on Collins Street with um, my colleague and head of marketing around looking at a screen and um, the Prime Minister announcing effectively no gatherings over 500 people. And that was that, was that moment. Um, and that was a Friday uh, for the for those that were familiar with that grand the grand prix moment there was a there was chaos when they opened the gates on on friday morning i um i got on a plane straight home and we worked relentlessly for two weeks on what what are we going to do and it was and it was so uh, it's, it's hard it's probably hard to explain but it's hard to plan for the unplannable i guess mm. everyone at that point didn't know what was what was going on we, we knew we knew we had a variety of projects coming down the pipe um from an events perspective that we wanted to deliver that we'd planned to deliver that you know we'd run a financial risk on delivering in a, in a normal world how, how are we going to deal with it so <clears throat> we got to work with i'm going to say a dozen contingency plans around what does 2020 look like let alone 2021 um to to enact some form of, of continuity plans obviously obviously a variety of projects got postponed immediately um in particular around that april period we our dry season, for those that don't know, in in the territory, is runs from around about May to September. So that's our that's our busiest period from a tourism and a visitation perspective. So that was right on the doorstep of us coming into our our busy period. We we worked really hard to to put our plans in place. But in addition to that, as I mentioned before, we're owned by government. So there was a lot of industry. So people on the street that work either in as a tourism operator or or an events operator or or, or generally people wanting advice um, around what they can and can't do. Can they go to a restaurant? Can they get a massage? Can they get their nails done? Um, so, so my really dedicated team of, of, um, of 38 people here in the Northern Territory Major Events Company became a call centre. Um, mm. So we were doing everything from answering those questions that I just raised to trying to figure out how do we, how do we put on some events in, in a COVID world, I guess. Um, quite frankly, we didn't have a, any, we didn't have any, I guess, form of a surety until around about June, July, when we were starting to get a hint in, in the territory that this, this could actually not be as bad as we thought for, for, um, for our, our projects. And, you know, long story short, we were lucky enough to get a good chunk of our events away. We, we hosted the Dreamtime fixture for the AFL fans um, that, that couldn't get played in, in Melbourne. We managed to get, you know, Richmond Essendon up here, which normally would never occur. Um, so they played that game in, in Darwin last year. We had the first supercars doubleheader. Um, we produced what is, I'm going to argue, the, the best Indigenous um, cultural festival in the country, which was Pachma in Alice Springs in, in September. And for car lovers, we did um, we did a Red Sinanat uh, traditional event on, on Father's Day weekend in September. So whereas the rest of the, rest of the country um, particular we're all from I'm, I'm sorry to say in, in Melbourne was in lockdown so mm. we, were, we were quite privileged to be able to keep morale up 
and and have our staff in particular work work towards a purpose. Um, and 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 as you mentioned before, a lot of people in the industry weren't weren't as lucky as that. They didn't know what the outlook looked for either their business or or, or what they were doing personally. So we got through our busy time um, uh, relatively unscathed, I'm going to say. And then uh, and then I'm going to say we we kind of shifted our we shifted our attention, sorry, to 2021 and took a I'm going to say an aggressive outlook on on trying to capitalise on on where we were um, and our proximity and and what our government and and our people have done in the territory to make our place safe and reliable. Um, the phone rang off the hook. People wanted to do a lot of stuff in the territory. We became, we became that destination that was traditionally a bucket list um, item that maybe, you know, behind Italy or Aspen or, or as a as a traveller, hey, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the territory, and you always put it off to, we're coming to the territory. What can we do? So, you know, coming coming to our final board meeting in November, we took an approach that um, was an aggressive one into 2021, and and happy to say we've had our most successful year successful year ever, um, mm. which is which is a testament to the people that that I'm happy to work with here at the Northern Territory Major Events Company. Yeah, and, and I can testify, testify to being one of those people where I had never been to the Northern Territory in my life and managed to get there in May um, doing the, the Lara Pinta trek and staying at Longitude at um, Uluru, Amazing. which was just unbelievable. Um, lucky to get that in. I want to ask you a question about the the Dreamtime event, which is normally played, you know, in Melbourne at the MCG to, you know, packed out capacity crowd. There was, I remember watching that game and there was just something special about it, that it was being played in Darwin, in the the Territory. Do you think there's a chance that events like that may stay, like it may come like come back? Because I think every everyone was sort of saying it, it felt it felt it felt more authentic, I think, is the word I'm looking for. Are you hoping you can keep some of those events? Yeah, you, look, you're dead right. I was I was obviously at that game and, and we were lucky enough to host it. Um, Larrakia uh, are the traditional owners of the top end, um, the saltwater people for for Darwin and the surrounds. And um and and we are, we're the we're the, we're the indigenous heart of, of Australia. I'm, I'm, we do a lot of things right through right through the territory and into Alice Springs. Um that celebrates our our cultural heritage, and you know, one of the the oldest living cultures in the world. Um, so we were really we were really really excited to host that Dreamtime fixture on country and and do something that, as you mentioned, was was incredibly special. Um, does that continue? We hope so. We, we absolutely mm-hmm. hope so. Um, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that there's a commercial reality that comes with hosting events like that. Um, but what what it's proven is that they work. So if if that commercial reality can be offset with something as authentic as what you've just mentioned around playing playing that Dreamtime game on, on Larrakea country, um, that should be taken into account. And, and, that, and that's the discussions that we're having today. So look, we've shifted the dial and we've used we've used the element of of I guess the, the broader the broader country being a lockdown lockdown to our advantage. We've got a great relationship with people like the AFL, if using that as the example to, to try and do more up here. Um, there's the appetite. And we, and I think where, where Sir Doug Nichols' round, you know, might get played here forevermore or, or the NRL, we look at the Indigenous round as well, um, coupled with opportunity from, from right across um, the sporting era or, or, or events more broadly. I'm happy to say that it, it shifted the focus for supercars that will have 
from next year onwards will be the home of the Indigenous round here in Darwin. So mm. we'll have, you know, um, cars being painted with by traditional um, traditional custodians and and celebrating what, what we hold so dear in, in, within the territory. So look, yes, um, absolutely. It's opened up a variety of doors, um, speaking very, very, very openly. We probably weren't thought of that way um, until, uh, as you mentioned before, that bucket list item comes up the up the notepad, so to speak. That's the same in, in business. You know, people people want to do business with what we feel is a stable environment. Um, so we're trying to capitalise on now. So look, if I do my job right over the next little while, hopefully we'll see we'll see some more of those events come to come to town. Hey, I want to ask you. Um... What have you learnt or got come to really appreciate I, I, by assuming working a lot closer with our First Nations people up in Darwin in your role? What's, what's been, I, what have you learnt? What have you appreciated about that culture? Um, good, good question. Um, transparently, I was, I was in that bubble in Sydney um, and, and, yes, Yes, we did a lot of work with uh, with, the, with First Nations people throughout my career to date. But when there's something pretty special about talking with a traditional owner on country, whether that be Arunda in, in Alice Springs or, or Larrakia here in the top end, listening to, to their stories, we do a pretty special festival in Alice called Pachama, a festival in light, which is effectively... Um, we uh, we take artwork from right across the central desert region um, and and put it in lights. So for those that know Vivid um, in Sydney, the event producers that started that do that event in consultation with our company. So they use light to project onto onto um, ranges uh, onto the ground um, and and effectively make that art come alive. So the process that we go through with what we call the Parchma Reference Group, which is a series of um, traditional owners in the Central Desert region. Um, it's, it's awe-inspiring. I, I, sat, I sat in one meeting that, um, that we worked through what we want to achieve and, and, what, we, and what we want to do and, and, and produce, and produce what, something that pays respect to, as I mentioned, the oldest living culture in the country. Um, it's it's a real it's a real journey. I'm still learning. I'm four years mm. in, and, and I'm and I'm still learning every time we every time we meet um, every time we meet with either the Reference Group or, or the Larrakia in in Darwin. Um, there is something very special about being on country and listening to the stories and and the Dreamtime stories in particular is an interesting one to to probably spend a bit of time on. And it's and it's you don't know until you're here. And I can only mm. encourage people to to come to the territory to experience that. Um, it is it is a tourism item to try and you know experience what what Aboriginal tourism is and and what and what Aboriginal culture is all about. Um, without without being here and experiencing firsthand, um, you can't. But what I've learned is is it is the oldest living culture in the world. Um, there are stories that can last for years, um, and it's and it's a privilege to work. I guess in the era I am, and and learn continually every every day is a new experience. In particular, when it comes to into what culture is about and and how and how Aboriginal tell their stories on on country, both um, in the top end and throughout the territory. Yeah, um, you, you're right. I I mean, you know, I 
I teach people storytelling and I often reference you, you, you need to look no further than the power of stories and our First Nations people because those stories have been told for tens of thousands of years. But I, I truly believe, and, and I experienced it this year, that until you're there, um, until you experience firsthand, it, that when it becomes, it, it becomes quite an emotional experience and a real connection. And I think, um, God, I wish every Australian, every Australian, every white Australian could get and an, an experience um, our First Nations yeah, culture. Yeah, I agree. Hey, Tim, when taking tact a little bit out of work, when you're not at work, what do you love doing? What, what will people find you doing when you're not at work? What I'd love to be doing is is getting away at Manly Beach. To be quite frank, um, no, I'm, I'm. I think there's something in the salt water uh, from a personal perspective. Getting getting ahead under a wave and and or riding a wave, um, I miss terribly. Um, with pre-COVID, we had the luxury of getting to to Bali um, on a Friday night and back on a Sunday, so to speak, which was which was quite good. So I, I had my fix. Um, but look, in in true form, I would love to be. Uh, in the water, obviously spending time with my family around the beach is something that that we hold dear. Um, coming coming to Darwin, where I spend my time is is now plodding around a, a little garden, which is quite fun. I enjoy that. <laughs> Believe it or not, I never I never had that experience or in uh, living in a unit in Sydney. But um, but no, I think I think in its true form, uh, salt water and and surfing, um, anything to do around water is, is where you'll find me. And that and that's kind of how I recharge. Um, I'll be honest, I have swum in Darwin. Um, whether that was the right decision or not at the time uh, is, is to be determined. I'm still here. I didn't get chomped by a crop, but, um, but no, look, that was that was just to the point I had to get, had to get in. So look, yeah, in, 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 I'd love to be um, riding waves wherever I can. All right, you're just ignoring those saltwater croc signs. <laughs> and they're around. My dog got chased by one a little while ago, which is quite scary, just down the local beach. So they're um, they're very, very, very close to home. <laughs> very real and very big. Hey, um, if you could change one thing about you, what would it be? Oh, good question. Um, uh, I, I guess from a... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna change this, Tim. If I ask this to you, if I asked your wife this question, what would she say? <laughs> That's easy. Um, turn off from some from time to time. Relax. Um, pretty pretty driven, to be honest. Uh, and that's and that's something that is good and bad. Uh, the fact that um, you've got to love what you do from a career sense, and I'm saying this from a career sense, um, and I do love what I love to do. I always look for opportunity. So if if you ask my wife what can he do it'll be turned off stop mm. stop driving down the road saying hey we could do this at work and you know and, and that's trying to take a bit of time out now in saying that i'm i'm privileged to to be able to do that and, and lucky enough to to try and think up different things to continue to evolve or challenge myself or challenge the company or challenge the territory now um but yeah that would be one thing to to try and just relax just yeah. just take the feet off the pedals from time to time um and and enjoy the now Part of that double-edged sword when you absolutely love what you do, it's um, you feel like you don't need to turn off. But I um, but I think yeah, when you when your partner's saying that, then maybe you do. Hey, what, what does your wife do? By so we met we met in um, we met in sports administration as well. So we met mm-hmm. at, uh, way back when at the Sydney Cricket Sports Ground Trust. Um, she's working now with the federal government in regional development Australia. She's helping 
she was helping non-for-profits uh, work through the grant process in terms of how they uh, how they can apply and receive grants up here and enjoying every minute. She loves it. Yeah, excellent. Very rewarding. Um, do you have a favourite quote that you sort of pull out or are guided by or live by occasionally? Yeah, I do. I'll, I'll go um, probably probably more than a quote is a person, Steve Jobs, and 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 he. I think it's it's something that resonates in particular with me, and it's more putting great people around you. So um, I think one of the best ones that, that Steve Jobs had said is it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and, and tell them what to do. You know, we, we hire smart people and tell us what to do. And, and I think that resonates because that's the career path that I've taken, enablement and empowerment and, and pushing and pushing your people to, to be brave enough to really kind of drive anything from innovation to, you know, to be accountable to, to their actions. Um, and, and I guess he's always, he's also mentioned in, in some of his talks uh, around, you know, great businesses aren't ever built on one person. They're, mm. they're, they're built by a team of people. And so the fact that we have to be people-centred as, as leaders and, and dynamic leaders is incredibly important. So I hope, I hope that gives you a bit of a, an insight into kind of my mantra. Um, Simon Sinek obviously says some great stuff as well, but, um, but no, Steve Jobs, I think, had it right. And, you know, look where Apple is now. I think he's, he knows yeah. a thing or two. So he's pretty successful in, 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 what, he, in what he achieved um, during his time on, on planet Earth. And, you know, I'll, um, I'll continue to look for him for inspiration. Yeah, he, he's. I love his quote. Something around you know, hire smart people and get out of their way and let them do it. He also yeah. has a. He also has another great quote that I love, but I'm a bit biased on this one. He says the most powerful person in the world is the storyteller. Yes, <laughs> there you go. You should be biased on that one. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Back back to your point. Hire smart people and get it. Get out. Um, get out of their way. If I stood in some of the staff members that I've hired purposely, um, I think I'd be run over. So <laughs> I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a smart leader to get out of their way in every sense, and they'll um they'll have a giggle when they hear that. Were, were you raised that way? Like, were, were your parents were your parents given you some guidance around just go do it, or could you yeah, you I, seem to you seem to be a bit of a go getter? So, is that some of your upbringing? Do you think? That's, it's a, that's, a, that's an interesting question. No, not really. Um, they were they were incredibly competitive around kind of me as a swimmer, I, I guess, for want of a better word. Now, that's nothing to do with a career perspective. But what I what I will say is, I learned early on that. Um, I guess back to Steve's point, Steve Jobs's point. Not any good jobs done by one person. So, I was I was pretty early to I guess understand the fact that teams of people, um, teams of good people, um, automatically produce success. Um, and I and I learned that you know well and truly back in my career, early twenties, mid twenties, so to speak. So, I guess the fact that I've developed that and continue to develop that and relentlessly go after that. Um, and and for example. Darwin's not the easiest people, not the easiest place to hire great people, but we've got a, you know, we've got a um, a group of thirty eight full time employees from right across the country that have joined me on the journey up in up in Darwin since I've been here. So, um, no, I don't think my parents had anything to do with it. It was coming something that I, I guess I I'd stumbled across, for want of a better word, and and have and have held dear. And look, it's it's producing results and it's producing mm-hmm. success. And culture is something that I stand behind. 100% and continually try to develop you can't you can't sit still in that in that perspective so so yeah that's probably that's probably where I guess I got it, it was kind of self-taught I guess one of yeah. The yeah excellent okay Tim I'm going to end with three quick fire questions that might seem a bit random but you know we'll see how we go what is your one meal you love cooking uh anything in a 
barbecue smoker. Okay. <laughs> I've really become a Territorian. <laughs> you have. Well done. What is your favourite 80s song or artist? Okay, so those that know me well, um, this is not this is late 70s. But I'm going to claim it as early 80s. Uh, Queen and my favourite song, Don't Stop Me Now. And if I've had a drink or two, um, I can do the dance as well. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it sounds like it's almost a mantra of yours, isn't it? Don't stop me it now. Is, it is, and those that know me will have a very, very good laugh at that. Yeah. Okay. Good bit of karaoke going on at the top end. <laughs> All right. Final question: If you could give one piece of advice to your twenty-year-old self, what would it be? Um, remove the doubt. I think in, in short, don't don't second guess and and go for it. If I had my chance again, I, I would have knowing what I know now, and I think we're all we all work in hindsight. Um, never doubt yourself. Mm. Never doubt I yourself. think I think that's a common theme. I ask that question to nearly everyone, everyone I interview, and the common theme is yeah, don't doubt yourself. Give it a go. All that type of stuff. Have a crack. Just have a crack. Have a. That's my saying. Have a crack. What could what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I think sometimes, unfortunately, that comes with a bit of um, wisdom as we get older. But all good. does it does, and hindsight's a beautiful thing. It is, Tim. Thank you so much for all your insights. Um, you're obviously doing an amazing job up at the Northern Territory, encouraging more people to get there. And I've, like I said before, it's if it's not on your bucket list to get to the territory, then then make it part of it and and go there now. Why? There's probably not okay. lots of not not lots of overseas tourists. Go and do it and experience it now. Thank you so much, Tim. And um, next time we're in the same state, let's catch up for a drink. I can definitely do that. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Authentic Leadership Podcast. We welcome your suggestions for leaders you would like to hear from in future episodes.